This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning, this is Frida Liu. You're listening to Enterprise. It was Heraclitus who said the only thing that is constant is change. That's indeed true as far as the human body is concerned. Most of our cells are being constantly replaced by new ones, some more often than others. So we are subject to constant change, at least physically. Why then are people so resistant to change that happens in the world outside their bodies? Why do they whinge and whine and get into such a state of anxiety that it begins to impact their health and ability to perform? Why do others run away from change to escape it or resist it so hard that it becomes more painful than it would have been if they just accepted it. One reason could be their preconceived notions about change. Another could be the unpleasant experiences they may have had when they encountered change that was brought about by others such as employers, politicians and the like. Um, today as Malaysia is being swept forward on the tide of change, the subject of how to manage and adapt to change has become a very relevant subject for all of us. And here with us today is Human Equation founder Sheila Singham to share some views on how to handle change both from a corporate and a personal level in the Tools for Transformation series. Of course, you're here on the last Monday of every month and um, I guess the last couple of weeks everyone that's been on has been talking about change. Now, your bio states that you are an inspiring agent for change and believe that change brings growth and a strong sense of achievement. So what changes have you gone through that have led you to this belief? My goodness, Vida, so much of change. And you know the best part of when before I embarked and when I was subject to change, so to speak, I was very resistant. I was a creature of habit, very mm. rigid. To change house was a massive trauma for me to move house. Yeah. And then I was I tell you this funny story, like I used to be a teacher like long ago, like thirty years ago. And one day um the headmistress came and said all the heads of department had to switch places in the staff room and sit <laughs> in another place. And I was devastated. I was Days. Yeah, like I have to move with all my buddies over there and go and sit with these heads of department. I was like, I was so, um, you know, disoriented for days. That was the kind of person I was. Okay. Huh? To buy a new car was like, yo, you know, it was a major decision. And then suddenly, this change just happened. Opportunities just arose. I mean, I guess people people go and accept change or embrace change for two reasons. Mm. One is because of the gains that they will get from embracing the change. And the other one is the pain they will feel from not embracing, from staying where they are. For me, it was a case of both. Right, mm. So I was really bored with teaching. I'm essentially a teacher, but all the bureaucracy and all the you know other things uh, sort of um, duties that teachers had to do in schools. It was becoming more of administrative stuff yeah. than teaching. So I felt very restricted and I wanted to go out and do something else. Then the opportunity came to go out and do training. And I was. it was like very traumatic for me. It was like, you know, leave a government job, comfortable, pension, yeah, all that shit. Not so secure anymore. Ah, and then to go out there and do something totally new in a new industry um, with like basically I didn't have any experience of before. No network, no nothing. Nothing. I went into, I went into a real estate agency to do training. First, I was selling houses part-time. That was fun now because I still had my job, right? Then I went out to do this. The boss offered me a job and I thought about it. And still I had a safe zone. I went and spoke to my headmistress and said, can you give me six months, no pay leave? I want to try out this new career. And if it doesn't work, I'll come back. But in the middle of it, I said, there's no way I can go back to mm. teaching, right? And then from there, I went into journalism. That was, again was scary. Right. right, because the opportunity came and I always wanted to write. I mean, I used to read like, 
you know, well-known um, journalists and, and they're, they're, they're writing in the Star and NST and all that and magazines and stuff and say, hey, I can do that line, you know. So I, I had the opportunity and I went. It was very frightening because I love what I was doing, training in mm. the real estate agency. And my boss actually said, I'll give you a three-month window to come back if you don't like it. So I went. And then again, there was no turning back. And then from journalism, I went to, to different types of journalism, writing about property and then business and then lifestyle. And everything was very new. And every time you go into a new place, it's, it's very pretty scary, I can right. tell you. All right. But what was one thing that really encouraged me was before I had embarked on any change, I read this book. It was called Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway mm-hmm. by a writer called Susan Jeffries, right? Feel the fear and do it anyway. Very often we think, okay, I will make the change when there's no more fear. But it's never going to happen, right? You you feel it and you just weigh the pros and cons and you go. And you've got to listen to your gut. Mm. When you're making a change, gut feeling happens a lot. It's that, that compelling feeling right inside of you that's saying it's time to go, you know? So I, I then when the time came... I said, it's time to leave journalism. I was very happy in journalism. I loved what I was doing. I got the chance to travel and, you know, write about all kinds of things and meet all kinds of people. It was like really my zone. But then this this offer to do training came back again. And I felt that that's where my calling truly lies, Mm. you know. Journalism probably, I suppose you go into different places for what experience you can pick up, what skills you can pick up. And it never goes to waste. Even mm. if the, um, the the fields are as diverse as journalism and training, one is writing, one is, you know, training mm. people. Very diverse. It might seem to be, you know, a disconnect there, but actually it's not. Everything comes to bear in yeah. everything that you I do. I think there are seasons in life and also uh, probably the underlying thing is you are a communicator. That is true. Right? That is true. You know, right. I I think of myself as well. The diverse things I've done, I said, wow. But ultimately, what I really enjoy doing is communicating. Yeah, mm. and then so it wasn't only just uh, my career that I had changes going on in that period of time. It was a lot of other things. Yeah. So there was a relationship, a huge upheaval in a relationship that you know had gone wrong. You mm. know, so I I got out of that one, and then I moved. Homes, I moved towns, you know, all that sort of thing happened at one go. It's like, boom, it all came. And maybe, um, I don't know, I do believe in a God and I believe maybe that was his way of like, you know, throw you in the deep end and then you learn to swim. Right. So that's how I became an advocate for change. And I know that uh, when I look back at that point when you're making the change, it's very painful, it's very frightening, uh, right? But when you have made the change and then, you know, um, you set your mind that you're going to make it work, after that, there's such a sense, great sense of achievement mm. and um, so much of growth. Right. So why do you think people are so resistant to change? Okay, one of it is the fear of the unknown. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what this new phase or new area has in store for me. So I'm really, really scared of facing it. Another thing, and that's tied in also with our comfort zone. Many people are very comfortable where they are. They're comfortable to excel where they are. So the thought of stepping out of that um, place of excellence to go and do something new, which they don't know much about, is a bit scary because they have fear that they might not have um, competence. Their mm. insecurities about competence. 
I'm so good here. Everybody knows me as. I mean, it was pretty yeah, much kind yeah. of what I experienced. You know, I, I was writing for the Edge, and everybody knew the name Sheila Singham. Singham. Then I was going out into um, training, and nobody, and into a company where I would become sort of anonymous as well. So sometimes it's also that the loss of maybe status, identity, uh, identity status, yeah. and all that. Sometimes when you do change, especially in a career, you might have to take one step back before you take uh, the two or three steps forwards, mm. right? Because you're going into a new industry, let's say, or a new department or a new job scope, and you don't know much about it. So you need to humble yourself and ask people, um, you know, to assist you in, in pumping up your competencies and all that. And some people just have too much pride mm. to be able to do all that. And then, of course, there is also the ex- the history, you know. What changes have you gone through in your life and how painful were they? Mm. Well, if those changes were sort of implemented by organisations and, and maybe in terms of politicians and so on, it could have been very, very painful. So your if your experience of something is painful, it's like you don't like to go to dentist, right? Because mm. the first time you went as a child, you got an injection and they pulled the teeth very painful for days after painful. That's why all of us are terrified of the dentist. Most. Most of yeah. us, yeah. So um, although I do have a really lovely dentist, I'm still very scared of the dentist. So um, <laughs> it's like that. Lah. It's like going through changes like like pulling teeth. Okay. Having your teeth pulled, you know I mean? It's very painful there. But after that, that's relief. Can't go no more toothache and yeah. all that, right? And then, of course, sometimes um, the lack of transparency. Now, especially if the change is happening um, and you are at effect of the change rather than the cause. cause. Now, if, if you're at cause of the change, which I am deciding to make the change, step out of this comfort zone and go and do something new, then you're at cause. Yeah. But if you're at effect, it's like you're working in a company and things change mm. and you have no choice but to adapt to the change. Now, maybe in the but you're you're not trusting the people who are making the change. Yeah. You don't trust their agenda, um, and then yeah. there's a lack of transparency. They're not telling you um, what's really happening, um, and and that's one reason I feel that big. Uh, big sort of changes at a big level which are instituted by companies and nations and all that, they don't really work because you're always talking about oh, this is the national agenda, this is the corporate mm. agenda, we want to take the company to this level, but the people are asking like, yes, what does so it mean what? to me? What's it for me yeah? to do that? To participate in that, do you give people a sense of ownership? Do you give people a chance to give you feedback on how to do the change, how to mitigate the, you know, the the painful impact of the change and so All on? Right. You know, uh, I guess you know. Recently, of course, uh, Prime Minister Tunba there said that seventeen thousand jobs in civil service will be mm. disappearing, right? And of course, the ripple effect of you know probably deals that have come through that, you know, and 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 this will have a ripple effect on what's going on. And I guess people will be fearful. Of that as well absolutely right Um, okay we'll talk about uh, adapting to change Uh, and of course here I've got Sheila Singham from Human Equation Uh, stay tuned for more Um, BFM 89.9 because feelings matter BFM 89.9. 89.9. You're listening to Enterprise. Good morning. This is Frida Liu, uh, Sheila Singer from Human Equation, uh, final Monday of the month in our Tools for Transformation series. And what are we talking about? Change, obviously. <laughs> um, you know, of course, uh, you're talking about how you also, um, uh, you know, made some changes in your life. And I think, you know, and all it can be good and bad, right? Now, why is it so important to adapt to change or even embrace this despite uncertainties? Change brings growth. All right. If you're staying in the same old, same old place for years and years on end, you're not stretching yourself, you're not pushing your boundaries, you're not stepping out of those boundaries, 
how can you possibly grow? All you know is that world. You know, it, it's like what they say. If you you like a katak di bawah tempurung, a frog under the coconut shell. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, in essence that you just see that your world is like yeah. coconut shell. Mm. So then, how do you then acquire um, an understanding of other people's um, cultures, belief, values? Um, even you know, in in terms of job scope, how do you understand how other people, other corporations? Um, function, the culture and so on. Now, if one day you want to be CEO of an organization, you need to have an understanding of the cultures of different, different organizations so that the, you can take from that expertise and draw on that and then take it and implement it in your own organization. Right. So, first of all, change brings growth. Okay? And the next thing is, it's about flexibility. Now, mm. in neuro-linguistic programming, we have a, a, a success belief, a presupposition. It says that the person with the most flexibility will almost ha always have the most influence. All right? You need to have that flexibility to adapt. But the more you adapt to any situation, the more flexible you become. Um, for example, I give you a metaphor. You, 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 you consider the rainforest, uh, uh, sorry, the, the rain tree mm. and the coconut tree. Mm. Now, in a storm, which one remains upright and which one normally yeah. crashes? You right. know, here in KL, of all those rain trees are falling down and cars and people and all that. Why? Because they're so rigid. Yeah. Okay, their roots are so rigid that when, you know, there's strong winds going, there's no give. Mm. There's no flexibility. Whereas if you look at a coconut, coconut. tree, even in a tsunami, the, the thing just bends yeah. and adapts to that. And then after that, it comes back. It comes back. So... When people say that uh, being rigid and firm, it's about be that's about strength. I don't agree with that. Mm. Uh, of course, you don't be a lalang and sway with the wind and uh, give up all your, um, you know, values and mm. your ethical considerations and all that to sway with whichever political wind that's happening, as we have seen uh, happening in even, this country. Even ninety-three year olds can change, right? Yeah, even ninety-three <laughs> year olds can change, and and then you can see now in the fallout from what's happened in the recent elections. You know, all those people who did compromise their yeah. values and, and all that and sway like the lalang as opposed to you know being flexible like the coconut tree I, I would say Tun Mahathir is a coconut tree he's very right. flexible yeah, I mean uh, here he comes back as a different party yeah and he, you know yeah, yeah. Uh, and to understand that as well you know one of the things that I one of the books I read was called Playing Big mm. um, and this whole thing about fear you were talking about which was which really uh, um, uh, gets me in, in the Hebrew language the, there's two words for fear and I think we all, in the English language we only know one word for mm. fear so there's the word called uh, uh, Pashat and Yira mm. And one I can't remember which is which But one is like the, the reptilian fear Right So that fear I'm going to die I'm going to You know that, that very basic You know Don't stand close too close to the ledge You're going to fall Then the other fear is The, the, the fear that I might actually Be, be going bigger mm. uh, Or you're enlarging your tent Right And, mm. it, and that, that is a, a, a good fear to have mm. So whenever I'm posed with something Okay Is it the Yira fear Or the Peshat fear yeah. now If this is a, 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 the fear That will allow me to grow As uncomfortable as it may be I'm going to embrace it mm. So, so that so sometimes you know the the language that we have is so limited when we understand there's so many varieties. Absolutely, yeah? absolutely. Okay. I mean, the more you embrace change, mm. the more you get used to change. It's a skill. Yeah. It's like riding a bicycle. The more you ride, the better you become at mm. it. So the first few times is going to be frightening, but as you open yourself up to change and stand firm and feel the fear and then and, and do, do it, it anyway, anyway. Yeah, yeah you yeah. become better at can it. You, can you give some examples of overwhelming change that can have a great impact on people from corporate, individual and a national perspective? Okay, let's talk about corporate first. 
um, for example, organizational restructuring. Hmm. You're restructuring departments and moving people around, okay? Or even if there's a change of management, suddenly the top management is just changed around, which sometimes happens when uh, there's a political takeover, like what's happening in our hmm. country now. You're going to have a lot of change of management in GLCs. You're already having uh, restructuring happening now in, in, in departments, in government, um, in, in ministries. Newspapers. Yeah, in, even in newspapers. I mean, look, suddenly everyone wants to buy the newspapers. For so many years, we shunned it because it was all biased reporting. Now, t- suddenly everyone says freedom of, uh, you know, the media and yeah. all that. So everyone's just writing whatever they feel that, you know, they, they're free to write. Yeah. So uh, so you will see, I think, I mean, look, the, the media landscape is going to change, you know. Um, having said that, of course, um, changes in corporate are mergers and acquisitions. There is always, um, and what happens is when you're doing a merger, an acquisition. What happens is when the acquisition merger has taken place, then only do they think about how do you integrate people and all that. What should happen is before it takes place, you should all be preparing your people. Then after that, you should you know come and look at how to uh, teach people to ma- handle the change. Now, one thing I find that in Malaysian companies we never ever think of is we never ever think of putting counselors. Hmm. You know, like I was watching this TV program called Billion, right? Hmm. And it's it's about a, a stock market a, a company that that deals with the stock market. They actually have a resident psychiatrist there, hmm. so people anytime can go in and talk about stuff. So during a period of change, I think that's a good idea actually hmm. to have a resident psychologist or counselor, so people can just go and talk about their fears. You know, mm. talking about things usually helps. Yeah, yeah? and then of course, um, moving some for for some people, moving offices. You know, like if you move from downtown KL to Shah Alam, something already one major uh, trauma already for them. You know, <laughs> for for me too. You know, like most most of my jobs, uh, this job and the previous job have always been in the same location. No, mm. Banda Utama. Mm. I don't think I want to go further nah, than that. See? Okay, Tama- Oh wait, Tamantuns are out. And just <laughs> and just for that, you know, someday you might have to go and work in Singapore or something. Right. All right. So there's downsizing. There's sudden growth spurts in the organization. They like say a fresh injection of funds or something like that, and then you know, company is going to grow in a new direction. Uh, moving overseas, process change. Mm. Some I've seen people like in, there was a bank where we needed to go and do some um, training. We actually did some videos of training and all that because they were changing software. And everybody at all levels had to get used to the new software and everybody is traumatized. Can you imagine or not? Right? So that can traumatize people. No, I mean, the, 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 the thing is, like, we have to implement GST. And yeah. now that's removed. Uh, you know, that's going to also affect some change and things like that as well, you know. Correct. So it's going to affect businesses. It definitely, it yeah. is. Now, from an individual perspective, it could be anything from changing jobs, changing roles within uh, a job or an organization, uh, lost of loved ones, um, mm. even in an even loss of love, uh, a, the loss of a loved one on a personal level, as well as in the organization. You know, let's like yeah. say there's a calamity that happened, like you know, after MH, um, you know, three seventy, three seventy, um, you know, disappeared. There was so much of trauma going on among MAS, so much of grief going on among uh, MAS staff, you know, because they lost uh, crew members, friends and all that, yeah. plus an entire, mm. you know, pa- tra- plane of passengers. The nation went through grief, yes. you know, right? So, okay, okay, another sort of change that can um, traumatize is um, terminal illness or mm. in a chronic illness, um, broken relationships, going through a divorce, um, a long-term relationship breaks up, moving, 
moving mm. homes, moving towns, moving countries. Uh, for some people like me in the past, moving place in the offices <laughs> can cause trauma. <laughs> trauma. Right. Or even change, uh, change in family dynamics. You know, a new yeah. member of the family comes, a new child or, you know, broke a, a single parent suddenly you know there's a stepfather stepmother yeah. the equation and then all that all this can cause pers- cause personal change from a national perspective i think we don't say like, all no, of us are going to it change of government change of cabinet change of legislature change in financial policies all happening at one go you no know, so i some people think wow you know we can't handle it and i think this is the best way to go Wham! Everything. So you just take that change at one go and you have no choice but to face it. And I tell you, we are going to be such a flexible nation after this. Mm. We are all going to be so flexible. We will be able to... Resilient. Resilient. We will be able to adapt, expand our boundaries. Mm. And and that's one more thing. I think it's okay that we've got a more free society now, free to speak up and all that. But I also think that that we shouldn't have knee-jerk reactions yes. just shoot off our mouth let's every time we see something that we don't like let's be responsible let's have a wait and see and if we find that it's going in the wrong direction then speak up and do whatever needs to be done but I also think that this has been a nation that has been entrenched in a single party for you know, 60 so years yeah. and I think that it's going to take time to dismantle so many um, you know, wrongdoings cu- wrongdoing cultural um Taught, taught processes, you know, the, the, the cultural practices. I mean, I'm not talking about culturals from the races. I'm talking about the culture so within organizations, how we work. Yeah. Uh, organizations, not just private sector, but also GLCs, also government um, ministries and so on. There's so much that's going to be happening. And people, and this is involving people, mind mm. you. So you can say, oh, they're not, they're not, they're not, the government has to change this and change that and implement this and implement that. But don't forget, the people are the ones who are going to feel it and the people might go to through the cycle of change they might be angry they might be resistant they might be whatever so we need to also manage the the um, feelings of the people their their mindset their opinions and that sort of thing and that's going to take time yeah. because so many people are entrenched in in, in, in that you know comfort zone hmm. okay uh, I was just I was just talking also about even even with journalism right that if, just because now we've got a certain freedom doesn't mean that we lose the responsibility absolutely you know that we still have to be Understand that yes, there are changes, but we still have to be fair. Now that we're able to do more fair reporting, um, but don't don't go down the gutter, lah. Yeah, you know, don't go of, into yeah. sensationalism mm. and report um, stuff that is sensational, but you know might not be in good taste, lah. Yeah. You know, and let's I have mean, a decorum and class during this period. Seriously, Frida, I mean the number of comments mm. and postings and videos that have come up. Um, that are derogatory to the uh, the ruling party that was. Yeah, I find it in really poor taste. I mean, because they have given us some good as well. Yeah, you know what I mean. So, so I mean, so it's it's now we're just moving in a new direction. But let's not let's not go down that path. Is move on, yeah. move on, and and you know move upwards. You know, correct. Um, so tell us something about what to expect when such change happens. So when a cycle, uh, like a cycle or, or systems go through. Okay, so first of all, there'll be like immobilization. People will go like standing in a state of shock. Mm. It's like, I don't know what to do. You're frozen with shock, right? Oh, yeah. Normally, right? I can't believe this is happening. I mean, all of us uh, on on May um, 10th, 10th we're uh, like, what just happened there? It happened. And we're like, standing there in disbelief. This is, this is for real. You know, we all felt a surreal, yeah, it was surreal. sense, right? Okay, so then... 
Um, now, if it's painful change, if it's good change, we will then move on to sort of accept it, lah. You know. Mm, mm. But if it's bad change, so I can imagine the other side of the equation. Right. If it's change that is bit painful, first of all, or we perceive it as painful, change is not. Never painful lah. I mean, necessarily, ultimately, there is always something good to be learned from it. But our perception of it that is painful. So first, there'll be that state of shock. Then there'll be denial. Mm. No, no, I, I refuse to accept this. this is not happening. This and then anger. Then anger, definitely anger at, at ourselves, at the people around us. And that, then you'll have a lot of people lashing out and stuff. And then you have that negotiation. You, they come to you to try and negotiate, especially in a job. <laughs> no, I mean, I know you need this, but but can I still have this? And um, can I not be moved or, you know, something like that? Uh, so this is where you need to really, you know, be firm and say, no, well, some things are not for negotiation. All right. And then um, the next thing is, if they cannot get try and negotiate, cannot get what they want, there'll be a bit of depression. Right. All right? So after the depression, and that's where, that's where we need to have the counsellors right. and, and all that sort of thing. Then after that, there might be a bit of exploration. Mm-hmm. When they see other people accepting the change and saying, no, we're going to go with it, they might say like, um, yeah, maybe I might try and I'll give it a go or whatever. And then from there, There'll be acceptance. So, from the state of depression, exploration, to get acceptance, that is the stage where organizations really need to, you know, put people All in right. place. And on that note, how can organizations implement change? Uh, we'll talk about that after this. Uh, Human Equation founder Sheila Singham here with me. Stay tuned to Enterprise BFM 89.9. Breakfast for Masters. BFM 89.9. You're listening to Enterprise. Good morning. This is Frida Liu. If you've just joined us, Sheila Singham from Human Equation here, final Friday, final Monday of the month in our Tools to Transformation series. So talking about how to handle change. It's been a long, you know, of course, we were discussing this at length, uh, what what has happened with, with the nation, how it impacts us as a nation, how it impacts organizations, how it impacts us as individuals. Now, um, on, on that, you know, early on, you shared about the, the first was the, uh, uh, the, the, the stages of, yeah. of change and, and getting to a level of acceptance, right? Now, how can organisations implement change to mitigate the impact on their people? I think, first of all, they got to start at the top. Any change that's being implemented has to start with the top. Um, you know, if you want to do culture change, it, it has to start there, you know. And people at the top have to start practising. Now, for example, if you're doing um, budgetary changes, restrictions in an organisation... You can't be cutting people's salary and telling people that, um, you know, they got to travel by road and they got to travel by um, economy and all that. And then you up there as a top are taking first class travel and then are staying in the most luxurious hotels wherever right. you go and then renovating your office with, you know, <laughs> Uh, uh, expensive Persian carpets and rosewood furniture and Ibrahim Hussein paintings and all that. And I'm not saying this, uh, pulling things out of air. This has actually been happening. You're telling people at the lower levels to to change, to cut costs and all that. But up there, you're still, you know, jolly, as they say in Malay. You know? And jolly, jolly. Uh, jolly, you know, and living <laughs> your same lifestyle. Everybody has to make the cut, la, you mm. know what I mean? You don't cut the salaries of the people below. If you're cutting 10% from the people below you better at the top you meet you need to cut 20 percent exactly right now so ne- next thing is you got to communicate the change at all levels you got to make sure that every level in the organization 
is it's being communicated. This is where I always say that instead of telling the senior managers and then asking them to cascade down to the people, they need to hear it from the top management. The CEO needs to go on a road trip on a, you know, do town hall meetings, uh, have focus groups with people, you know, not just senior management, but the people at the ground level. You would find that sometimes non-executives and even the, um, you know, like office staff and admin staff and all that, who've been in a company for a long time, mm. they also want to have their say about mm. how do we go about this so that we, we all are comfortable with the change, right? You need to create ownership. And one way of creating ownership is to say, you need to first tell people what's in it for them mm. and how that contribution and show them their position and their purpose in the organization. That if you um, go along with us in this change, at the end of the day, this is what the company gets as a whole. And from there, the, 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 the cascading down that, maybe in terms of bigger profits or image and all that, that cascades down to you. Mm. Um, and then um, you need to also set the expectation that the change is going to happen right. whether they like it or not but you know here's how we, we talk to you and find out how we can make it as pain-free yeah. as possible. You know, you're talking about town hall and communicating. One of the things I noticed with uh, Tun Dr. Ma there is the, the constant communication, yeah. the number of press conferences had, right? And it just come from one person at the moment, I'm sure later on, but just the, commu the constant communication uh, of what's being done and all that, whether we like it or not, but the, we're, we're hearing things all the time and we're not left in the dark of what his plans are. And so he has changed. Mm. Before, you know, people would like, say he's a bit more autocratic, I make the change and then tell my cabinet yeah. and all that. But now he's actually listening to the yeah. yeah, talking to journalists. Yeah. I mean, you watch him on TV now at his press conferences. He's so relaxed. The defensiveness yes. of the, yes, the previous, past, the yeah. past is gone. He's enjoying himself over there, talking to those fellas like they're his kawan and all right. that. You know, he's, it's so different to see it, now. And he like, he, I mean, uh, the sense of humor. Uh, you know, because mm. he said, you know what, people still know me as the dictator. You know, yeah. so he's got a sense of humor. Yeah. Now, it has also been said that culture change is one of the most difficult to implement in organizations, or as in this. Country. Um, do you agree? And if so, what is the reason for this? One of the reasons for that, uh, Fida, is that culture is very much entrenched together with our beliefs and our values. And our, our map of the world. Our map of the world. Oh, you took the words yeah. out of my mouth. <laughs> yeah. And so, you now these beliefs and values are the deepest motivator of the human uh, being, right? Yeah. So, if you, people feel that their beliefs are being questioned, threatened a mm. challenge or mm. their values are being you know threatened they become a bit more resistant to change mm. so what we need to do is if you want to effect a culture change whether at an organizational level or at um, a national level you need to be very respectful of people's beliefs and values Right? You need to take them all into consideration and then you also cannot infringe on it. You need to respect the map of the world. You need to build rapport with them and then move from there. You can only influence people when you have rapport with them. And how do you do that? I mean, right now, the current, uh, the new regime is doing the right thing and having these regular conversations, as you say. So there's been more rapport uh, with the government today than there has ever been in mm. you know the past 60 years of our 
country. Yeah. Um, so that that's a good thing actually, and they need to continue these conversations, continue these dialogues. They need to continue the focus groups with the um, mm. various people who can contribute towards um, the change and mitigating the impact of the change. Right. Um, so if you have in influence, only comes with rapport, mm. and you want to migrate people to a new way of thinking, uh, then you need to influence them and and one of the ways is about um we need to influence people in Malaysia on the need to embrace diversity and rejoice in our differences and all that. One way I find that was very, very um, potent uh, is using metaphors and stories. Now, how many of us have watched the Yasmin Ahmad um Commercials. Commercial and not felt moved by it. Mm. You know, in spite of ourselves, we know what she's doing with those commercials. We know the purpose of it, yet we are moved. Yeah. Even the most hardened of us can't help being moved. You feel that little twinge in there, and then you say, Ah, yeah, you know, I shouldn't be feeling this. It's so obvious what her agenda uh, was still. Yeah. But those are, and this is what I would say to, to the new government, you know, get your. Advertisements out there. Get your people telling stories. Go on the road show while you're so um so uh, focused on you know changing things and reorganizing things. Make sure you've got people out there telling the story, mm. telling the story of who we were in the past, how we were a really glorious, highly respected nation in the past. Yeah, that those stories need to be told, mm. and how we can go back to that. What do we need to do to go back to that? Mm. Well, and that will actually connect better with people than um, you know just telling them do this do that. Right. You know, telling people we need to be more inclusive. Uh, we need to bring down the racial divide. How? Yeah. But you don't even need to tell them the how. You give them a story. You give them an advertisement. You give them a movie. Look at Ola Bola. Yeah. Oh my goodness! How that movie drew people together, and a time when it was the 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 the. the Fate of this nation seemed to be very dark. That was one movie that pulled people together. Mm. So these are the movies, the advertisements, the campaigns, the the you know they they've got now got all the national uh, the media mm. on their site. Use it. Tell right, tell right. the metaphors and stories. Right. So now, how can individuals then face change to get the best benefit or to reduce the negative impact of change in their lives? First of all, you have to acknowledge the change is inevitable. Yeah. Whether you like it or not, it's going to happen. You standing there and saying, I, I don't want this, I don't want this, it's not going to help. Okay, acknowledge the change, operate at cause and say, I'm going to be in control of how I manage this change. Because when you say you don't want to change and the change is happening anyway, you actually lose control. Yeah. Right? So face your fears. Write down your reservations about the change. Why? What are the reasons I'm afraid of this? I always tell one of the exercises I always give people, right, when they come to me for coaching is write down what are your feelings about whatever it is that's happening in your life. And it actually helps to clarify that um, actually I'm not afraid of the change per se. I'm just afraid of losing my status or I'm afraid I'm not going to be so competent. Ah, okay. If I'm afraid I'm not going to be so competent in this new role, then what do I do? Get competent. Go learn, get competent. Uh. Go take courses or learn whatever, you know, right? Reframe the change. Reframing is a very powerful tool to help you to make meaning of negative situations. And I've spoken of this many times, you know, um, about Viktor Frankl, the psychologist who survived the Holocaust, huh? mm. uh, the Nazi Holocaust. And he 
uh, went on to do a co coaching counseling with people who had uh, Holocaust survivors, and he found out the one thing that separated people who could move on from that terrible issue, the terrible event, to people who couldn't, was that people who could move on were able to take positive learnings from what was happening. Yeah. So if change is imminent, it's going to happen. Ask yourself, what can I learn from this change? Mm. All right? Ask yourself how this change can help you to grow or be more marketable. Mm. I remember a time when I went and joined a organization as training manager and they had never done sales training before. So they asked me, can you do? Nobody had ever done before. It was a bit scary, lah, you know, mm. because I had done sales training in a real estate agency, but here you're going to corporate banks and all that, no? So I said, okay, I'm just going to learn how to do it. Mm. And after that, it really made me more marketable because, you know, sales training is something that not a lot of people can do. And I find that, you know, it, it's just because I took on that challenge, scary though it was, mm. I'm now able to, you know, go out there and... Um, you won't know until you try. You won't know until you try. Right. Okay, so, so ask yourself how embracing the change can help you to move on in your life and in your career. Now, even if we live pretty uneventful lives, right, without mm. much experience of change, how can we be prepared for it when it comes? Because it will come. Yes. So start practicing in small ways, you know, in little things that you do in life. Take a different route to work. Mm. All right. Um, instead of flying to Singapore as you normally do, maybe take a drive and see, you know, how, you know, see the, the, take the scenery, bus, take the train. take the bus, do different things, yeah. pick up a hobby, mm. find new ways to challenge the process, new ways to do things differently. Mm. All right. And uh, train yourself to see things from other perspectives. Put yourself to someone else's shoes and see how they would do it. Mm. Constantly challenge yourself to do things differently. Do new things that you know nothing about or are not very good at. Like, for example, um, when I was in Form 3, my art teacher told me, and I hope Mr. Leong, you're hearing, <laughs> uh, he told me that you can't draw to save your life. You can't do art to save your life. So for years, I grew up with this, I can't do art. And then a few years ago, I decided to try and learn to draw by myself using a book. And I could draw. Right. You know, I could draw and I realized I'm actually quite artistically inclined. So I had taken on that limiting belief. For years. Yeah. So if you have a limiting belief that, oh, you know, I can't do change, get rid of it immediately mm. and say, I can embrace change and make it work for me. Mm. Then anytime change comes along, you're very pragmatic about it. I mean, even in the past year, I've been through so many changes in my life. Um, I'm very pragmatic. People say, how are you so calm? I said, well, you know, I've had the past 20 years of <laughs> adapting to change. So, yeah. From so, not wanting to move a desk to, to many, many more changes. Oh, so many changes is not funny. <laughs> and she laughed. <laughs> <laughs> Sheila, Sheila Singer from Human Equation. Uh, she'll be back at the final Monday of next month. This is our Tools for Transformation series on a very apt topic, how to handle change. You've been listening to Enterprise BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.